Love this podcast? Consider supporting this show. You decide how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Visit the link in the episode description to support now. Proudly presenting Camp Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's first and only DIY punk rock summer camp, September 1st through 3rd in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Come camp with us for three nights of non-stop punk rock all weekend long, with over 40 bands and tons of activities. Tickets on sale now at camppunksylvania.com. That's camp, P-U-N-K-S-Y-L-V-A-N-I-A.com. See you there! You're listening to Headliners, the show featuring the best and brightest of music from all over the world. Please welcome your host, Greg Howard Jr. On this week's episode, I am joined by the band Strike 12, here to talk about their new single, Smartphones and Stupid People, as well as their upcoming album, Last Band Standing. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Thank you for being here. Uh, So tell me about the new single. Tell me about the new album. You want to take the, the reins on this one, Joe? Sure. Um, so, uh, new song is called Smartphones, Stupid People. Um, over the last few years, I personally have gotten very addicted to my phone and can be found staring down at it in silence much of the day. And, uh, so have a lot of other people I've been around and I'm getting completely, or, uh, more and more frustrated with it. So, um, over the last couple of years worked out this song, um, saying how I feel about it. And then, um, we did a video that tried to capture a lot of the sentiments and the issues that we have uh, with our phones. You know, Dan's on his phone right now um, doing (laughs) a nice interview. Uh, So, you know, there's a lot of good things about it, but, um, you know, it takes away from real life family connections. It makes you like distracted when there's like cool things going on around you and you're like trying to take a picture, shoot a stupid video. And then um, Matt was an influencer uh, making stupid, uh, you know, Instagram reel videos where he chugs beers and smashes them on his head and stuff. The video was shot completely on on smartphones, right? Yes. We have a, a friend that normally does all our videos with these, you know, nice cameras and lighting and all that. But we felt that it added to the the feel of the song shooting it all on our phones so tell me if uh you could collaborate with any musician living or dead who would it be um that's a tough question because i want to default to the two other guys in strike 12 obviously but i kind of thought about this and i think at this point i'm gonna let people down with my answer and just say I would love to just keep working with TJ Rivera, who's uh, working with Epitaph now. 
um, or Jared from Sick Waiting. He's an amazing songwriter. Um, he he's uh, very involved with the scene, and I think he would be really good at producing and knowing what sound we like to make. You know, um, I'll let Joe or Dan answer too to that. Yeah, I would add um, Scott Hallquist. Um, who was in this band DC Fallout that we used to play with all the time. Now he plays in 10 foot pole, but he's a great producer that I wouldn't mind working with. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, we've had a lot of people like come up to us over the years saying that they wanted to either produce us or like replace Andy as the fourth member in our band. And I like it, but I just love what we have as a, as the three of us working together so much that I'd probably rather just keep doing, not collaborate with anyone. I'd um, like to work with uh, Jim Johnston. He writes all the WWE theme songs. Oh, I think he's pretty cool. There you go. Yeah. I knew one of us would want to do something with someone <laughs> famous. Um, the other thing is we did um, kind of collaborate with um, Margate. We yeah. did a, a seven inch split a few years ago where we covered a couple of their songs and they couple covered a couple of our songs and we recorded it all. And that was a lot of fun. Like, I love that band. They broke up a couple years ago, but we had a great relationship. Yeah. It was a good chemistry. It was almost like we all felt like we were in each other's band. You know what I mean? Was, I cried was, when they broke up. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. It was sad. Yeah, that's a that's a good question though because there's so many musicians. But your latest projects using only one word. Ambitious. Who who is an artist uh, that if they popped into the Zoom right now and said, "I need you guys to go on tour with me," who are we who are we dropping everything for? The Vandals. Yeah, that's a good one. What's yours, Matt? Pick a different one. Um, I would drop everything. Yeah, I mean, Unwritten Law would be a good one. I think we'd be a good fit with them. Um, but, I mean, there's all sorts of cool bands, though. You know, I mean, there's big ones, too. You know, uh, like bigger ones, like what if Dexter popped in and said, hey, we need an opening act for our North American arena tour. I'd be like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> you know, like. I'm curious to hear Dan's but, but I would drop everything right now just to go on our own tour to play for empty bars across america whatever you know i'd go with bad bunny <laughs> more wrestling stuff <laughs> no no bad bunny man all the latinas are at the bad bunny show i thought that was the wrestling guy uh yeah but he's also the biggest artist in the world if uh if you could change one thing about the music industry what would it be what do you think joe dan um i think it's kind of hard to get people to go out to shows especially when the headliners playing at like 11 o'clock. I actually support the moving shows earlier. I like the Sunday matinee. <laughs> Maybe uh, for a band our size, making more uh, venues that are more all age appropriate. You know what I mean? I think that would be, I think that would be good for a lot of bands like us. M more places I to think play that are all ages. Because I think if, if they're kind of stuck playing at bars late at night, people can't bring their kids or stuff like that. And kids like us because yeah. we do a lot of like art jokes and I don't know. 
I'd say I wanted to go back to one take, one microphone recordings because we're pretty tight. We've been playing together for almost what 23 years or something like that. We can nail it together as a band. And I think that gives us a, an advantage. But in today's recording technology, you know, get lost in the shuffle. You go back to the one mic recordings, we're back on top, baby. <laughs> you get our shit out a lot faster, too. Are we, are we allowed to say that stuff? Yes, absolutely. Good. That shit. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, what's a what's a venue you'd give anything to play? American Airlines Center across the street from my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't I can't go. It's I'm so spoiled. I won't even sit on the other side of the arena. I sit on the side of the arena that's on the side of my apartment. <laughs> I mean, tip offs at seven thirty. I leave my apartment seven twenty eight. Strike twelve's always having me drive. God knows where. <laughs> Um, I was going to say the glass house in Pomona. Um, we, that's a place we've never played. And when we were in high school, we used to go there all the time. Like Matt's dad and I think even my dad a couple of times used to drive us up there for the vandals and a bunch of other shows. Dude, we saw cool some venue. there too with yeah. Logging Molly. That was, that was cool. Yeah. That's a good answer, Joe. I think it's attainable too. Mm-hmm. It's funny how much my answers change now versus maybe 15 years ago, because I probably would have said maybe the Roxy or whiskey or something because of the history behind all of it. Now I'm like, eh, eh, I don't care. Yeah. I just want to play anywhere where people are willing to listen. What do you think is your worst habit during the songwriting process? Not take the lead here. Yeah, I'm interested to hear this one. My my worst habit? Mm-hmm. Um, probably getting too drunk you know, start <laughs> off getting a few drinks in me and getting inspired and there's a there's a zone where you can block out the whole rest of the world and you get really into it and time doesn't exist you know i could spend four hours on a song and have no idea it's been four hours but every once in a while if i'm not like getting to the end of the song as quickly as i should it turns into like wobbly fingers bad lyrics and i have to kind of go back the next day and fix it you know but i can tell you matt he has a hook and a chorus and a melody and he'll just throw it down really quick on an audio message and won't go go much further than that right out the just right off the bat that's what he'll give you and then down the road he'll clean it up and play with it joe he won't show it to us until every syllable is perfect and when he brings the song, he goes, okay, and then you, I want you to do this fill right here. <laughs> so Joe's, Joe's songs, if you hear my drums, Joe wrote all the drum parts, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, with his mouth. And then you go, you know, and then I'll do that. And then Matt's songs, it's uh, a little bit more creative freedom there. But later in my life here, I do like to be spoon fed a little bit. Nothing wrong <laughs> with a producer. You know, it's almost like our bad habits, Joe and I have the opposite bad habit where I just provide the bare minimum of a song and kind of let them fill in the gaps, which could be bad in a way because maybe sometimes I won't finish something, but Joe wants it to be so perfect before we ever get to hear it or do it. 
that he may not even finish it. So maybe bringing it all to the table earlier would be a better approach. I don't know, though. I think we've only had one song we wrote together in the same room. I was going to say, which song is that, Danny? Yeah, that was it. Because um, I, I smell that, uh, shit. No, that's not it. That's not that's it. Not it. <laughs> it's who we are. That's not it? What's the um, other? What is it then? You could, we kind of wrote Not a Face together, the first song on the new album. There was a lot Matt of... Wrote, a lot Matt of wrote a bunch of spiteful... <laughs> Spiteful lyrics and Joe made him change them all. Because <laughs> uh. <laughs> we were we we came up in Temecula in 2002, 2003, 2007. This is when we were in our hometown phase still, and there was a thousand bands, and everyone thought that these other bands were so great. Oh my gosh, have you heard this band? And we're always like, yeah, yeah, and and we we never we never got the second look and. Just slowly, one by one, they all broke up, changed members, started playing cover songs, and we're still here, last band standing. And so the song was not a phase, was kind of like, what's up, motherfuckers? Where'd you all go? You know, kind of attitude. And Joe's like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I let Joe hijack it, but it, can't, it ended up being a good, it ended up being a good song. I was going to yeah. say, my bad habit is all... I'll start something and then I'll just get Never stuck mind. in the middle and I I'll make like a minute of progress of like a really good song and it needs another verse or it needs something and I just hit a block and can't finish it for months months or to all. <laughs> yeah or at, <laughs> all. or at all that's hard you know but I think we yeah we complement each other well with our yeah. songwriting styles Hello there, I, I want to take a moment to talk to you about Dear Dean Magazine from Dear Dean Publishing, my favorite subscription only monthly digital magazine. It's got subscriber-generated content about politics, pop culture, travel, family, pets, and poetry and wellness articles and features, contributor articles from nationally recognized journalists, writers, and artists, and provides opportunities for novice writers and authors and other contributors to share their voice, talents, and words. Did I mention that it's completely free? Dear Dean Magazine, provides free advert space for small creators, authors, and podcasters, fulfilling its vision that some art should always be free. It's owned and operated by Myron J. Clifton and is designed and distributed by Katya J. Lerner at Buzzword Consulting. Visit deardean.com slash subscribe to get signed up So describe your music using only colors and shapes. Um, green, purple, triangles, and circles. That's I was funny. Say round, round, and black. <laughs> I was. Gonna, I like try uh, the triangle because we're a three piece. We're three fucking people. tripod, you know. 
Um, and then, yeah, purple. Matt always wears Vikings colors. So there's definitely a lot of purple in our imagery. And our new album has a lot of purple in it, purple vibes. What's a, uh, what's a song that you've written that you feel like would be perfect for a film soundtrack? I bet the new the list. The list is a good one, but it's so long. You just use part of it. Um, the, the one that's coming out May 12th, Which Watch It Burn. Two days after this interview, yeah. Come yeah, um, I think that one's good. It's kind of like slower. It's very dark and sad. Um, the, the music video kind of looks like a movie anyways. I don't know if Matt wants to explain the thought process there. Yeah, I think I was, I agree. Watch it burn is a good, is probably a good for a movie soundtrack. And it's funny you say that because I was watching a movie where things were on fire and in, in ruins and I started humming the guitar part all night long. It just wouldn't leave my head. And then the very next day I made it a song. And it just flowed right out. So I think because it was inspired by a movie, it would be good in one. So uh, this next question is kind of a, a choose your own adventure type thing. I, I've got three of the most cliche questions that all musicians get asked in interviews. And I will let you pick the ones that you would like to answer. Uh, your choices are who are your influences, what got you started in music, or what is your creative process like? I like Matt's drinking creative process. Like Matt's creative process is if he wants to go into more detail about it. Um, no, it's, it's okay. So what was it? Creative process? Usually influences I'm, creative process or what got you started? Okay. Um, the creative process is basic for me, just stems from, your average day at a, a at work and their long days, long commutes, and you just get so frustrated during the day at some point that you just kind of an emotion comes out, and in, when an emotion comes out for me and, and probably Dan and Joe too, um, it's a melody. <clears throat> and the melody represents your mood, so that will just be stuck in my head. Like I almost can't think about anything else. I'm thinking about how it's going to orchestrate together and the melody and the drum beats and the bass lines and not so much on vocals yet, unless that happens to ha happen at the same time. But, um, you know, then I'll get home and I'll relax for a minute, grab my guitar, start, you know, drinking some beer or something. And then it just starts to kind of all unfold. And Usually I can get through a whole song in one night. It's rare if it takes me like a year or something to write a song because it kind of just, it's like, it's like almost like ejaculating. I'm not kidding. It's just like <laughs> working and then it's like, boom, it's out there. It's done. Okay, cool. I got it. <laughs> you know? It's hard to explain. Like I don't sit there like Joe and, and critique my own stuff because I know if I bring it, um, to the table, I have two guys opinions that I really care about that are going to help make it better whether it's changing some words or, or um, changing, um, what do you call it? Um, like the order of how things go, stuff like that. I care more about my overall message and the melodies, not as much the guitar parts or the transitions and things that we could do as a band. I've always, um, I've always enjoyed the, the, the timeline of it. Like first thing you do for a Matt song or even a Joe song is you get, an, an iPhone audio message, just him playing a, 
electric guitar not plugged in, yep. mumbling over some sort of melody. And then that's the first time I'll hear it. And then next time Matt'll Matt'll come over and hang out and we'll we'll jam Joe there, maybe not that day. Um, and we'll play around with it and come up with something that will inevitably be changed by Joe. <laughs> and then Joe will get his hands on it and sculpt it. He's kind of like a producer and he will shape it in a way and then we'll make a demo and then we'll listen to the demo for a little bit. And then at some point when the new record time comes around, we have these demos that we had, you know, put together and then we go and record it for reals. So there's like, that scratch track and then the demo and then the final version and then until it finally gets uh mixed mastered and then that's the one that lives on in the head but there's like a lot of changes between that first audio iphone message and what yeah. ends up on the record okay. and i love and you do too we love to go back and listen to those first audio messages yeah like oh wow that. the melody completely changed from there yeah I, I i did this thing this last record the one coming out where I started sending the initial idea I put into my phone for each of the songs we're releasing. And it's, it's just funny how, how different they are. And they changed so much, even that night, you know, I'll go through six or seven revisions in one night. So it's funny listening to those after the fact. Now I was going to say for the other question, what got you started in music? I like to think that, you know, your instrument finds you. You know, you don't find your instrument. I uh, I was always banging on stuff. My parents got me a drum set at like seven. And it just clicked. I don't remember ever not knowing how to play the drums. I swear. <laughs> yeah. There's never a time in my memory where I couldn't play them. And I don't know. It just seems like there was just I've always had a drum set and always knew how to play it. But um, my favorite game is when we go to the shows, knowing this, that your instrument finds you. I like to look at the guys in a band and I could tell you which one plays which instrument and they're not holding them. And it's easy. And I've like 95% accuracy. I'm quite good at it. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Drummers are all so obvious. <laughs> and so are lead singer guitar players. I mean, that's almost as obvious as the drummer. And then by process of elimination, you can pick out who the bass player is, get a good look at their hands, you know, uh, <laughs> The bass is usually process of elimination. I've started playing guitar, and then after a couple years, uh, I don't know how I got into it. Like Matt and uh, his friend Anthony were both guitar players, and they like asked me to join their band. The bass player is typically the best one in the band because he's the only one who can play the bass from guitar. Well, so I was in a band. The shittier guitar player can't play bass. If that makes sense, right? I was in a band with um, Najib in high school and I'd never met Joe, but we had one practice in a dark garage and Joe was on bass. And he's like, yeah, he's the best bass player in all of Temecula, I swear. <laughs> but maybe he didn't know he played guitar either, but I saw Joe at a music store called Sounds of Music where we were all, you know, everyone was getting their guitar lessons at and he was holding a guitar. And I remember I was so scared to walk up to him because I only met him the one time, you know. And I'm like, hey, uh, me and my friend here are going to start a punk band. Um, you want to play bass? And he's holding a guitar and he's like, he kind of like looks up at his mom. If, from what I recall, it's pretty blurry. And he's like, 
well, can I? And she's like, I guess. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll play. Never heard How it. Never guys? heard it. I was so nervous. I, it was like asking a girl out on a date for the first time. You know, I was just like shaking. I was so nervous. You're and he 15, said, yes. you said? Like 14. I wasn't driving yet. 14. It was probably 14. So yeah. Joe's mom gave him permission to be in our van? Yeah. <laughs> this wouldn't have happened without Joe's mom. None of it. <laughs> Joe probably remembers a slightly different version, but that's pretty much it, right? <laughs> no, that's pretty much it. I can remember exactly where I was sitting in Sounds of Music. Were you watching me approach you going, oh my God, I hope he asked me to be in his band. <laughs> 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 and then you didn't even hear anything I say. You're just like, oh my God, he's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's really asking me. I just remember that like that time that we jammed together before that you had just yeah. gotten a bunch of teeth pulled and and you were talking about how you were like singing into a microphone and just blood like squirting everywhere. Yeah, I think I had like three or four teeth pulled earlier. I was all numb and maybe not numb at the practice, but I was. Yeah, it hurt. It was not good. Do you consider yourselves artists or entertainers? Danny, that's hard to say about Danny because he he can play the shit out of piano and just mm, not really yeah he can he just pretends he's not good he's good and he can like he can freestyle and stuff and just come up with lyrics on the top of his head that that's pretty artisty but he's also a great showman too it's hard to say i can't i, I don't know i think um like when we play together like I'm always entertained by like the shit that Matt says and the shit that Dan does and, and vice versa. You, you know, too. Like yeah. We, yeah, we at least entertain each other, and I think that's why we. Yeah. Keep so I I think of it more as entertaining. Yeah, we entertain each other and ourselves. Um, I have a lot of games I like to play behind the kit. One of my favorite lately lately is I see how long I can last into the set wearing a sweatshirt. Because he gets hot. Right. Yeah, because you're playing punk music and it's hot. And um, I typically go like par is three, three songs by that fourth. Because he always puts tonight, tonight at the third song. And that song blows me up. Um, but that's one game. And then the other game I like to play is, you know, a lot of drummers, they're very theatrical, you know, with their facial expressions and their arms. And it's. You know, they're almost trying to match the energy of the lead singer. And uh, I do the exact opposite. I try to um, have a Zen-like state where if I don't make it look like it's easy, then I'm failing at my own personal game that only I'm playing. <laughs> so I just sort of just play it super cool. Try to uh, kind of like in the Olympics, right? When when they they'll like now I attempt a less hard dismount, but stick the landing uh, as where when I was younger, I would go for the 10, but I'd look like I'm trying really, really hard. You know, I make it look easy, knock out the seven and make it look easy. That's my uh, MO these days. Yeah. It's like, don't play too hard, play smart. Yeah, and we're not getting paid, so like, you know, <laughs> you're only going to get so much out of Danny B. <laughs> I, I do the opposite. I'll take the most simple guitar riff ever and make it look like the hardest fucking thing on the planet to play. Because <laughs> it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> because most people in the crowd aren't going to know if it's easy or hard. So if you make it look like you're just barely pulling it off, but you're so good, you can do it. Wow. No, I think, yeah, you know what? On stage, I we think we must we're, be confusing the crowd. <laughs> I think we're probably, or they just think I really suck. But um, <laughs> on stage, we're performers. Performers in the garage were artists. How about that? Is that a good enough answer? Oh, Dan also has another game he plays uh, on stage to trick us. You don't know how it's not going to be a four count click stick click to start a song. Sometimes he'll throw in some extras or one less and he does it on purpose to make sure we're paying attention and we get it right. You know, like, or the, or the no click start where he'll just orchestrate it and you have to turn around and look at him. <laughs> he plays with game, you know, at least he stopped throwing sticks at the back of my head. That was not a cool thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry about that. No, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, just, it's, we, it's it's better to make them guess, you know, so usually it's like click, 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 and then you come. But I'll just go click, 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 and then they have to watch me. And I'll give them a slight cue with the shoulders or something. They actually hit everything. The crowd's very confused on how we even knew. They're like, what is that, like a 19 count? Like, how the fuck do they? Yeah, we're just up there having the best time, and people... I think see that we're up there being ourselves, having fun. It's almost just the same thing as jamming together in a garage, but now there's people that can either cheer or boo us after we're done playing. So it's uh, good. From the minds that brought you the smash hit podcast, your life, the mixtape and headliners comes your life, the mixtape magazine, a free monthly digital magazine that focuses on music, culture, and social commentary on current news and events. Visit www.yourlifethemixtape.com to subscribe today. What do you think is the biggest misconception about musicians? I don't know, because all three of us were pizza delivery boys. The poor, poor guy working a pizza shop or something. Uh, misconception of musicians. We're not all jerks, <laughs> right? I don't know. What's a conception? Or a misconception of a musician, Joe. Yeah, I don't know, because we've always kind of been one. So I think, um, you know, it's not the only part. Like, we're not one-dimensional. There's a, there's a lot of stuff happening outside of our band. And um, I think it's been cool lately. We've been kind of sharing more of our lives outside of our music stuff lately and and within our songs like we had our kids in our last music video and i don't know we all you know most musicians have like non-musical full-time jobs and other stuff and it's it's cool like as you play with bands and you get to know people outside of their band stuff they become more interesting and you appreciate their music more i'd say a big misconception is that making it famous is the goal you know, that's, I mean, we're all, we already made it. If that's making it, you know, that's what a lot of people think that making it is, but I mean, we already made it. We're making records. We're having fun. We're playing the songs we want to play. We don't have a master. It's sort of um, a, a hobby that we get to share with our friends and family. That's a good point. That we're, qu we're quite good at. A lot of, a lot of my friends, they all go golfing every freaking weekend. You know, guys are going to 
do something that they like. And uh, this just so happens to be ours. Tell me about uh, the moment in your career that you're most proud of. Um, finally showing zero sperm in my vasectomy results. That was good. <laughs> it, took, it took a few uh, trips to the lab to not have anything floating around in there. How many ejaculations did you have to do to achieve that? 50. 50? Yeah. How long did it take you? I don't want to say. It's embarrassingly way too long. I'm too old to be jerking <laughs> off all the time. <laughs> how many were assisted and how many were self-implicated? I'm going to defer that question to Joey since he just dropped his sperm sample off this morning. Yeah. So I was going to say I'm most proud of now because I, I really like this record. I think it's the best one we've made. And we have three videos already shot. Usually we are like, oh, we're going to shoot videos for every song. We end up doing like one or two and they come out after the record. So we're ahead of ourselves this time. And I think this is going to take us to some cool stuff. Yeah. Now's a good answer. Like that time we played with Propagandi. Yeah, that was, that was, that was good. No, we've definitely had multiple proud moments. That's hard to ignore. Um, but yeah, I'm most excited currently as well, because I think this is better than the last album. And I'm not sure I could have said that about the last album. You know what I mean? It was an equal to, or maybe not as good in my mind. This one is good. I think Joe thinks and Dan thinks, so that's all that really matters. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I don't think we've peaked yet, which is great. I kept thinking every album, this will probably be the best one and then it'll be over. But they keep getting better, so. Yeah, yeah and we already have like at least half of a new one. Matt sent us a new song on an iPhone voice memo this morning that sounds fucking great. I can't wait. It doesn't stop, Greg. I'm supposed <laughs> to be learning the songs that are on the album to be show ready, but I can't. I just default to writing constantly. We got pretty good at the new ones, though. So so if uh, you could start your career over from the minute that you decided to pursue music, would you do anything differently? Um, maybe. Um, well, I would say when I was younger, when I was younger, it was freaking awesome. But punk music at 38 has become troubling <laughs> as a drummer. And I watched Travis Barker's Coachella live stream and I'm like yep he gets it he gets it you made stupid choices <laughs> we've all made stupid choices and now we're here and we have to play these songs man I, I sometimes I'll go to these shows and these drummers are playing like country music or something I'm like why the fuck couldn't I just been in a country band <laughs> this guy yeah, I always laugh at dad and say easy it's like, you should have been ACDC's drummer because he just goes yeah. kick, snare, kick, snare, kick, snare. Then it's so much easier for you. Yeah. Um, I will, if I go back in time, I'd be in a country band. I think I, I should have lost the mentality when we were first starting that, hey, if we're just really good, good things will happen. We should have made the push that we're making now to be organized and good songwriters. We should have done that then, I think. Maybe tried to network better with bigger bands to let us pitch a, a ride on part of their tour legs of their tours and stuff. But I don't know, we were kind of exiting high school, entering college 
there was a lot going on because all three of us went to a university and you can't, you know, we were thinking more, I think we were always um, content, like Dan said, just content with being best friends playing music versus conquering the world with a couple hit songs or something, you know. And we've always played our songs that we wanted to play, that we wrote. Uh, our style has evolved with us, but it's never changed. And I think a lot of bands are playing what people want to hear or what they think they're supposed to be playing, but I don't feel that we've ever done that. And um, that's something I'm really proud of. Yeah, that's true. There's not really a lot we, we could, we should have changed, I don't think. Yeah, and I think, it, it, you know, it's really cool. The three of us have been in the same band together for over 20 years. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're like a family. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I can't imagine doing it differently or with different people. Um, right. I'm, I'm very, like, happy with where we are. It's fun. We, like, text each other every day and... And if you jam with somebody else, like it's, it's awful. They're horrible. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not fun. I don't even enjoy it. All I want to jam with is you guys. Or something. We're so in, we're so in sync. I know what they're going to do before they do it. They know what I'm going to do. And so we'll play something we've never played before. And it'll sound like we played it a hundred times just because we understand each other. We've been playing with each other for so long, but you play with somebody else and it's like, it's almost like they're just not very good. I don't know how to explain it. Even though with their band, they're incredible. But it's like, if they're not playing something that's rehearsed, a lot of the times I get the feeling like, I don't know. Well, the three of us are good at improvising and a lot of, I'm learning a lot of people aren't. You, you know what I mean? They're, they're like, um, they have to practice the song every day to get it right, where we could just, like if you and Joe were just jamming and I walked in, I could play with you, probably. It's like Definitely. when I go to Old Town and there would be like a rock band playing and they'd be like, anyone want to grab guitar and play a lick real quick? I just chug the rest of my beer and get up there and tinker around. We know, we understand scales and stuff like that, you know, and chord progressions and key, keys and stuff like that. So it's easier for us. But. So tell the folks listening at home and all over the world where they can get their hands on uh, the new single and the new album when it comes out. Yeah, um, I mean, there's links to it on our website, strike12.com. Um, you can go to thousandislandsrecords.com uh, to pre-order it in North America. And there's a link to get it in Australia as well. And then um, the European distribution is Bearded Punk Records in Belgium. Music videos on youtube.com slash strike12. T-W-E-L-V-E. None of that numbers shit. <laughs> I had to think about what he was spelling. I was like, huh? Was pretty I thought it was going to be some wrestling thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan cracks me up, man. He just makes me laugh so much. That's, you know, same with Joe. Like, I couldn't do this with anyone else, I don't think. Matt, it's really funny. As we've been sitting here, I've been like picking off my fingernails. I have a pile just like that one you were talking about. <laughs> hey, well, be careful. Be careful. Because you never know when you might think it's right. When Matt's parents moved to a different house, the booger wall was out of control. There must have been 500. No, what I would do is... In I the would, band room. It was my parents' house downstairs behind the couch. 
I would. Uh, wow. We lived there for probably ten years, and I would chew my fingers and drop <laughs> the nail clippings behind the couch. So when they moved, there was thousands of fingernails behind. The couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so gross, cool. by the way. I'm a gross person. <laughs> Well, I thank you guys for taking some time out of your day to talk to me about about you and your music and uh, Matt's fingernail clippings. I, I have I have enjoyed this uh, so very much. Yeah, it was thank a you. pleasure. Thank you for having us, Greg. Thanks for listening to Headliners. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For more information about the show, visit us at www.yourlifethemicstate.com. Headliners is a Spring Break 83 production in association with Rod Wharton Productions. All rights and trademarks reserved. <laughs>